Hello and welcome to the Heads and Volleys podcast with me, Lee Dunn. I've got 30 years of coaching experience, me. What do I need to take a coaching license for? Perhaps that phrase is something that you've heard before. Perhaps it's something that you're familiar with. Maybe you have also said it yourself and you've figured out how to listen to a podcast also. But what I really want to address in this episode is coaching education and not just what it takes to or what is required of you when you sign up to take a formal coaching license through the soccer federation or any other organization, UEFA or whoever, but really how you can apply yourself, how you can learn from so many other influences within your soccer coaching world whether that's your club or on your field or in your community but also in the wider world too online and digital content and things like that too so there's lots of material out there there's lots of experience and I am honestly overhearing when someone says that they have all of these years of experience so I really get into kind of what those years of experience mean and asking the question of what you're doing to stay current, what you're doing to stay on top of your players and on top of the game that never seems to change but is consistently changing in front of us. So today's Heads and Volleys podcast will be a lot of my opinion, a lot of my own experience and I would definitely love to hear your opinion too. In the last Heads and Volleys episode I talked with Patrick King And we covered a lot of material in regards to who you are as a coach and what you're bringing to the game, what you are bringing to your players and how you're enriching the game or what your legacy may be when when you're done with it all, when you hang up your boots, so to say. And the clip I'm about to play you comes from that previous podcast, which was titled Click on One and Five More Open. And it really sets the preface for what this conversation is going to be about and where I come from on it. So here is a outtake from that episode. How do you improve? You're only going to improve by trial and error only. And you're only coaching three <laughs> times a week and you're only playing once at the weekend. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. But discussion, Twitter, YouTube, watching games, video analysis, coaching courses, coaching education, You hear me laughing in the background there? It's because I'm chuckling because I agree. And it's so nice to talk with someone else who feels the same. And there's a very good chance that you're listening and and agree with what, what we're saying there too. But it's really important for me now to set the scene that the game itself is still the same. You're still playing within the same lines. The rules are very much the same. But the players that you're working with are changing. So your 30 years of experience, 10 years of experience, playing experience, whatever it may be, is still valid. It's completely valid. You have an incredible experience. And something both Patrick and I talked about was was this kind of jealousy of not having played at such a high level to have that almost on our resume. But understanding who your players are. We are working with a screen age athlete a screen age athlete, think about you finishing practice, every kid picks up their phone. Probably you pick up your phone too. So you might be called a screen age coach too. That screen age athlete doesn't want to run around the field to warm up. 
they are privy to more information than they know what to do with. They see through their Instagram professional teams warming up. They see skill challenges. They see teams doing all sorts of things. But what they don't see is those players taking a lap around the field, which most coaches still ask their players to do. So think about them being in a world of instant gratification. Uh, And it's not just kids these days. Think about the fact that you might want pizza right now. Well, you're not going to get it right now, but in 30 minutes, having picked up your phone, you can have that pizza delivered to your front door. That's the instant gratification world that we're all living in. So think about when your kids turn up to practice, and I recently released a a blog post on this, and I'll, I'll add the link in the show notes for you, but the war against Fortnite. I turned on Fortnite on my PlayStation, and within two minutes, I was jumping into the game to play. Within two minutes. How many of your practices or how many of your engagements with your players can you boast that they are playing or they are active within two minutes? And remember why they're there. They're there to play soccer. So yeah, sure, they get there and they take a lap, but they're not actually doing what they're there to do within two minutes if it takes them longer than two minutes to run a lap. So why are they quitting? Well, they would probably quit because they're there to play soccer and you're making them run. So then think the common quote, kids these days are lucky. They don't know how good they have it. Or back in my day, we had to do this and we had to do that. Well, they're not in your day and they don't have to do it if they don't want to. So they'll quit. Now, we seem to say, well, you know, society's changed. We, we are okay with kids just quitting. They're, they, they're too soft nowadays. But they really don't have to stay committed if they live in a world where everything they want, they get instantly. Why would they want to work hard towards a championship or a a tournament victory when it's much easier to go on to something else? Well, that's where your role as a coach is still super valuable and moments of coach education and coaching license and all of those things that Patrick mentioned will help connect you with your player further. As I said, the white lines on the soccer field will never change, but the person that you're interacting with is changing all of the time. So how can you adapt to be at their level? At their level. Your 30 years of experience may well have come from the way you were coached or the way you would prefer to coach, but in 30 years you become very stagnant and not a lot is changing. Your players will begin to leave you. And I think if anybody is listening to this, having recently taken a a coaching license, they can boast to the experience and to the enriching moments that they took away. And it's typically the small nuances that you pick up from listening to someone who maybe has a little bit more experience, but generally has a different background or a different philosophy on working with players in different ways. How many of you are willing to, for example, text your players? How many of you have a group chat? How many of you would play Fortnite with your players? If you can connect with your players in on their level, now they might join you at your level when you're asking them to to strive and to be under pressure and to be in uncomfortable situations that, as I just mentioned, are easier for them to walk away from and go and join something else. 
So regardless of your coaching experience, and if you are a brand new volunteer coach who's just been given a bag of balls because you stepped up to coach your kid at third grade soccer, or you are this experienced coach, shall we say, with 30 years plus experience, how do you get to this stage of being uncomfortable enough to take on a new coaching license or to join some form of a mastermind or mentorship role where you are able to either pass on your information or begin to pick up new information, but also have this mindset that your way is not the only way. And there are lots of ways out there that you can begin to learn and begin to pick from to then take that and apply that to your own experience. Typically, the situation is the older you are and the whiter you are, you are king. You are top of the pile. And that's just not fair. That's not the right way. When you look at many coaching courses, it's young people, it's male, female is growing, but it's predominantly male. How do we get away from the reliance upon a solid coach education license letter that then distinguishes how much of a good coach you are. Because unfortunately, that's how it is here in the US. You have an A license, you are good. Doesn't matter when you got it, what year you got it, you have an A license, you're up there. You have an F license or an E license, then you're, you're not bad, but you've, you've got a long way to go. And if you've taken any other license, then that's kind of scoffed upon because for a long time it was used as a comparison. So you may have taken an advanced national license through the United Soccer Coaches or formerly National Soccer Coaches Association of America. And people would say, oh, that's like a B license. So then it was used as an alternative to a B license. And then it becomes a mess of what license do you have? What license do you have? And then here I am saying, well, you've got 30 years of experience, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So how do we begin to tie it all together in a way that is going to enrich not only you, but the people that you're involved with? And it really starts with how are you staying current? Can you say you are the best coach today? Not five years ago, 10 years ago when you finished playing, but are you the best that you can be today? So I will start with licenses. Coaching licenses, they're fantastic. You heard Patrick mention it. And in the in the previous episode, he talks, he goes on to talk about some of the best things and some of the most valuable knowledge he picked up was after class, where you're sat with your roommates or the people that are also taking the course in a canteen or a cafeteria of some college where you are sat moving salt and pepper around and talking philosophy and theory in terms of your understanding of the game. And there's so much that you can pick up just from not even reading the content of the course, but being present enough to talk with the other people on the course. And it's not an ego thing. It's not a, I am a better coach than you. It's an environment in which we are all here to learn. We're all here to be better. And here is what I like. And what do you like? Challenge me. Give me your opinion. Let me know what I am perhaps missing or what do you think? This is the value of a license in which you're fully submersed. You are living and breathing the science and the art of coaching with other professionals who are there for the same reason. It's, it's a brilliant experience and something that I just can't recommend highly enough. The issue with licenses like this is that it becomes a commitment and it's also a financial burden. 
courses now are thousands of dollars. They take up months and months of commitment. And if you're supposed to be on the field every night with your teams, well, you're away for three weeks of the of the six month commitment now. So you have to find cover. You have to figure it out with your club. They have to be lenient enough. You have to leave your family. There's so much more that is required of you to take these licenses. There's also a wait list, so there can be a delay in you moving through the licenses, which some people will say is good because it takes you time to learn the material and then to live and apply the material, but then there's no use in going from a D license to an A license in two years. You just, you're not learning, you're not applying. So the wait list is good, I think, and it's good for building patience and it's good to allow you to apply the tools from your previous license. However, there is a, a lack of patience for completing licenses and that's because often a club or a coach or an individual will say, we have A licenses or I have an A license and an A license is like a status. It means I am at the top and it's just not a fair reflection of the amount of people that are working below an A license, but are at the top of their game that are working in the true fundamentals of the game, but are disregarded because they don't have that correct letter on their resume. And it's really not fair. So whilst it is nice to, to step up the pole and to complete all the way up, it's not relative. If you are coaching in the 7v7 game in a recreational grassroots program, you don't need an A license. You might want to start with the grassroots licensing that's appropriate for you with online and in-person training. But that is enough for you to learn from and for you to begin to apply yourself effectively for your players to develop. So what's the deal now? You've completed your A license. You're at the top of the pole. What do you do? And then the same question goes to the volunteer or part-time coach that can't commit to a week, a month, a six-month commitment of a coaching license. What do you do? How do you get better? How do you stay current? What is your environment providing to you? Are you finding yourself on a field, maybe by choice, finding yourself on a field away from everybody else? because then nobody can critique you, nobody can comment on what you're doing, or maybe you're super secretive and you've got this secret philosophy and methodology of working with your players that you don't want anyone to see. Now, are you encouraging the game to grow? Are you demonstrating a growth mindset where you are open to A, sharing your material, because all of soccer is plagiarism, there's nothing new per se coming out right now. There may be new ways of player movements with fullbacks tucking inside or the original was like a false nine. But chances are what you're teaching your players probably is not that revolutionary. So why don't you share it? Or B, why don't you open up and have somebody ask you questions about what you did and challenge you on your philosophy and on your theory? Because if you truly believe it, then you'll stand up for it and it will, if anything, invigorate you in your coaching delivery that you truly believe in what you're doing. Or have you simply found something online and thought, yeah, this will work. I'll run my players through switching the point of attack at 7v7 and we'll see how it goes. And if that's the case, really encourage you to reach out to someone or to share a practice with someone and gather some feedback, get some information, but not 
sharing and hiding away really is not helping anyone because ultimately we're there for the players and us improving is going to help them improve in the long run. There's a good chance that you are working for a club. Club probably has a director of coaching or a technical director or some kind of coordinator for your age range of players or gender even. What are they providing for you? Ask the question. Can they come and watch? And unfortunately for a lot of directors of clubs, for them to be a full-time member of staff for that organization, typically they have to coach multiple teams. So if you can find a club or an organization where the full-time member of staff does not have to be coaching teams, those are the organizations to jump on board with and have those people mentor you, have them provide guidance, have them provide feedback. Have them run practices for you, for you to learn from. And there's lots of fun ways that this can be done with masterclasses where a coach may have a team and your team just watches them for a few minutes in the practice, how he or she, the coach, works with the players, how the players are performing the certain practice or certain aspect of a game. Then you take your players and mimic what they were doing. You have seen it in action. Your players have seen it in action. They've seen a great example. Now go and do it. These are some of the best environments that I've ever been in because everybody is there for the same reason. And it's the same reason that I keep going back to. It's for the players. The players are developing. If I'm developing, the players are developing. If I listen to a coach or I watch a coach get down on one knee and look a player in the eye and ask them how they could do something differently... I'm not going to stand on the side of the field and shout, what on earth are you doing next time a player makes a mistake? But I'm going to follow that behavior because I've seen that player respond positively by giving their own opinion and by being led by a role model of a coach that understands what that player needs. And I've learned that in a 20-second observation. So if you can learn that in a 20-second observation, imagine what you can learn from being in an environment where that is expected that you and your team are watching other teams or you're in a, in a cohesive environment where everybody's working through the same idea towards the same goal, which is all about the players. And if your club is not providing that to you, my question would be, why? Why do I not have somebody watching me? Why do I not have somebody providing me advice or guidance? Most of us work in a day job where we have a boss that is very quick to provide feedback and the soccer environment should be no different to that. Then also consider what your local league is providing to you. You may find yourself invited to things like symposiums. Here in Northern California, we have US Club Soccer by way of NorCal Premier. They run a symposium and it's partnered with several different organizations. But this year it's partnered with Stanford University, who have been national champions for the last couple of years, and the German Football Federation. So there is substantial quality behind the offerings of this symposium. And they broadcast what speakers are going to be there, what the content is going to be. So you can make your own choices. But if you are looking for just something that you are trying to work on with your team, then you're probably not going to attend a symposium like this. But if you attend a symposium knowing that everybody is there for the same reason, which is to improve in some way or another, and is to share information, then you will go with an open mind and you will pick up so much information that 
you may have been worried about how to switch the point of attack, but in the grand scheme of things, you will learn little things that will just help you connect and coordinate with your players and with your club in so many different ways. And you make friends while you're doing it. So next time, the coach that you're coaching against isn't an enemy. He's actually a friend that you sat and had lunch with on the symposium two years ago. And now the soccer world is becoming more and more cohesive in that I'm not trying to beat you. We are trying to create an environment for our players to play. And if I win, then great, you can buy me lunch next time. And I've mentioned Twitter a few times. I use it so much. Right now with my with my day job with the league, we are considering removing throw-ins from 7v7 soccer. When I first joined, we realized we would have lower numbers in recreational soccer at the older ages. And it was at that U14 age, 13, 14 age when players were going from 9v9 to 11v11. So we made the decision to run our league as 9v9 soccer. We took away 11v11 because the number of players that would drop or would would struggle with commitment due to high school activities and extracurricular programming that they were involved in, having a squad that could support an 11v11 game but only require nine to play made so much sense and our numbers have grown and players are playing the game. Was there a little bit of pushback? Yes, of course, because it's not, in quotes, the real game, but the players are playing and that's what we're ultimately about right now. These players are playing with their friends, they're enjoying the game. They don't mind however many people are on the field, they just want to play. So then why would I consider having throw-ins? If throw-ins are killing the game, then foul throw, foul throw, foul throw, foul throw. And even worse is coaches have one or two or sometimes three practices with their team if they're very lucky. Why would we allow them to waste time, valuable time with their players in throwing a ball, which is a medial restart for a game that is played with the ball at their feet. So then why not take away throw-ins and implement kick-ins? So this is the sort of stuff that I am able to have discussions with people and I throw the idea out on Twitter and I get feedback. It turns out that the province of Ontario does it. In Scotland, it's done at 7v7. And more and more experience of people saying that this is either valuable or it's something that is questionable. Now I'm reaching out to more and more people that are able to give me some kind of insight and some kind of advice. Try it for yourself. Follow hashtag soccer chat. Follow a bunch of coaches, myself included, at Lead on Soccer, and ask a question. And you would be amazed at the information that you get back. You will be challenged, but in a fair way. And of course, there are always people who know better or who have this closed mindset that your way is wrong. Or if you're speaking their language, maybe they think that you're an amazing coach. But for the most part, you will see fair and open discussions of people that genuinely care about the game enough to engage with a stranger in regards to whatever their problem may be. And I really, really, really encourage you to join that platform. So... If you have 30 years of experience and you've seen it all, why aren't you giving back? Are you a coach educator? Could you become a coach educator? Could you offer your time, your services, whether that's for fee or not? Could you offer that value, your value to an organization who needs it? Do you drive past a park and see coaches 
working and probably scratching their heads as to what on earth they're doing on the field with their group of recreational young players. How can you give it back? How can you share that knowledge, this growth mindset? So I started with the gripe of, I've got 30 years of experience. I've seen it all. I don't need to take a coaching license. And whilst that's certainly true that 30 years of experience can be super valuable, I believe it's only valuable if you've been in the right environments where you've had role models or you have spent a lot of that time learning underneath other experienced coaches and in various environments too. If you've spent 30 years within a high school setting and you've been the head coach for 30 years, then I don't think that your education or what you can offer is as rich as what somebody who has that alternative experience can be. So I guess what I'm really saying is just be conscious of anybody that says the amount of years of experience they have and then question where it came from. What do they have to offer to you or to your experience or to your growth? Something that is really going to help you to develop. Wrap this up with just final thoughts on how you can remain focused and engaged and developing in a world where a coaching license costs a lot of money. And a lot of that can be found online. I mentioned Twitter earlier, but there are also avenues like YouTube. You can become effectively a disciple of a coach and you can follow that coach from their humble beginnings. You look at coaches like Jurgen Klopp and there's books about him, but his original foundation of coaching was in the B leagues of the Bundesliga in Germany. And then he ended up doing punditry on the TV in Germany for the World Cup. Now, he began to shape his his philosophy and his style by using opportunities like that to broadcast how he sees the game and what he thinks and almost being challenged on the spot on live TV. So, Follow people like that. Find certain coaches that play a way that you enjoy. And even if you don't enjoy it, become familiar with what they're doing because there's a chance that if you are playing at a higher level, you will play against a coach that may employ a certain tactic. But your tactical understanding will significantly increase as you begin to understand who, what, where, when, and why is going on on the field and not just following the ball. And I think that you'll find a lot of value on YouTube because people use tactical cameras to break down the play. And if you watch on TV, often it becomes a focus on the ball and a focus on the immediate action when really what we're looking to do is to get away from coaching on the ball and impacting around the game. So the players that are in the wider positions or the players that may be behind the ball and there may be defenders that aren't even involved in the attack and having them organized. So little things like that that you can really begin to pick up on for free just from spending some time on YouTube. And we all follow certain soccer accounts on Instagram or Facebook, and those also do the same thing. So begin to identify the people that you believe will have some value for you and begin to connect with them. Ask them questions or even just like and engage in their videos because that is how you're also going to learn. It's informal. And much like I said about some of the coaching licenses I've taken before, the best experience is when you've actually had that moment to talk and engage with other people. So if you are able to do that with someone through their online platform, then effectively you're fulfilling the same experience and you're engaging with people in a way that is going to help you develop. It's almost like personal learning. How can I do this with my players or how can I engage this way or how do I bring this style of play into my team? So I want to hear from you at Lee Dunn Soccer on Twitter. 
you can also use the voice memo from Anchor. That's in the show notes. Just click on the link and it'll take you away. Send me a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. What are you thinking? What do you feel or think about this coaching environment? Is it inclusive? Does it allow everybody to succeed? Is it important that we have a licensing structure when many other sports do not? And that's something that I often get pushback for in our league. But I really want to hear from you. Thanks as always to Tactical Pad for their support in this. Not only does it help you make your coaching sessions look better, but it helps you engage with your players in other ways. They enjoy doing, they enjoy seeing too. So why not connect with them via a message and send them this gif of what the practice is going to be? I share them on my Twitter often. I share them on my Instagram. My players really enjoy seeing what's being asked of them and, and challenging themselves to even better what that gift was showing them. So definitely check out Tactical Pad. It's on my website, leadonsoccer.com. Jump on there and get yourself a discount with a membership on there too. Thank you so much for listening to my soapbox on this coaching license environment and what's required of you as a coach and how it can really, really benefit you in so many ways other than that, having that letter on your resume. So get out there, go and engage with other coaches, with other environments, go and ask questions, engage online, and definitely pass this podcast on to anyone you come across. Thanks so much. More Heads and Volleys coming very soon.